Hey, welcome to the last textual healing episode of 2023. Happy New Year. I'm your host, Mallory Smart, and today I'll be joined by writer, podcaster, and dog dad, Kyler Bingham. Kyler runs the iconic podcast, Salt Lake Dirt, that focuses on literature and film. It also airs as a radio show on KPCR 92.9 FM every Monday at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time in Los Gatos, California. But Salt Lake Dirt isn't the main focus of this very lit literary podcast. Instead, Kyler and I get into childhoods, Mormons, serial killers, our writing styles, pets, the kind of stories we want to tell, and most importantly, how we want to be remembered. But without giving any of the other fun stuff away, here's Kyler. So one, I have to admit, I really love your name. I don't think I've ever met another Kyler in my life. Wow, thank you. I know, you that know, must be the weirdest way to start an episode, isn't it? That's the best way to start an episode. I think it, the flattery is always good. You know, it's, so I'm, I was born in 81, and I never, like, it's just been a constant battle, even to this day, of correcting people how to say my name. Uh, but I'm noticing, like, younger people being named it now, like, like 14-year-olds are popping up with that name. So it's, it's kind of interesting. So, yeah, but thank you. No, that's... I, I, I've grown to like it myself. I was always, I just got, I was kind of a shy kid, and so I would either correct people, I usually wouldn't, I would just let them call me whatever the hell they wanted to call me <laughs> until they went away, but, but yeah, thank you. I have to ask, you know, as another person who has an, it's not such an odd name anymore either, I'm a 90s kid, Yeah. but like, you know, I've only noticed it in pop culture, like, jumping out now Mallory and for some reason it's always a negative character she's never a good person <laughs> she's a villain she's natural born killers yeah and, you know I inspire Columbine apparently there you go I th- now I'm in horror movies <laughs> but it's like I've still not seen a Kyler and I, I immediately want to know what like, how are people pronouncing it that was wrong? Because I've gotten some weird ones. I've had, like, yeah. Malory and shit. <laughs> I mean, just kind of, like, Skyler, uh, <laughs> Kyle, Tyler. So they're just missing letters. Yeah, and then it was, like, when I was really young, I used to think I was self-conscious that I wasn't speaking properly, like, like a, in my slurring or do I have a lisp but no I think people just you know and it's always fun when I like I you know go get coffee or, or whatever and they have to they ask for your name because I always it, without a doubt the people who get it right I get a, I get and I don't see it until after the order comes out or whatever but I, I get an immediate good vibe from the people who, who who nail it and then if someone calls me Kyle I usually don't like them I've, I've decided <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, yeah, I actually gave up, and I just do a coffee name. My husband does it, too, because his name is Belent, so we just immediately uh, were like, we're just not trouble. even going to give our actual name. So I'm Lynn, and <laughs> people still fuck that up, shockingly. <laughs> and he's Brad, because uh, I forget what name he used before that, but people were messing that one up, too. <laughs> Brad seems pretty solid, solid, like, you know, it's hard to mess, mess that one up. Yeah, I mean, 
now just to like fuck with him, I call him Brad because it's just like whatever. We're just gonna do coffee names occasionally. Oh, okay, Brad. <laughs> we recently got really into making our own coffee because Starbucks sucks. Yeah. And we write names on the coffee cups. <laughs> and when it's not like the weirdest shit ever, because we have weird nicknames, I'll just default to Brad. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I just start doing that. That's a great idea. <laughs> it just, it, it's a mood lift right there. It, you could get like a coffee mug with like, it, like it printed with like, like a fake Sharpie where it says Brad. That could be his coffee mug. <laughs> For a very long time, I also tried to um, just go by my last name, and nobody believes that one. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> I mean, Doesn't see, work, huh? right there, you could have actually been just calling me intelligent or just saying my last <laughs> name. Or saying your last name. <laughs> I, I went with faith. that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, people used to do it where... Um, I played sports, so they put the name on the back of your right. jersey. And I have had to explain that so many times in high school. No, you don't get to pick, like, a nickname <laughs> to put on your jersey. It's just my last name, I swear to God. Yeah, I just think of a because I, I live in Utah, I just think of Elizabeth Smart when I hear that last name. I love that you just mentioned that because, like, <laughs> I'm going through a bit of a... God, I can't believe I must say this. I'm going through a Mormon phase. Ah, yeah, we all do. <laughs> I wonder about that. Yeah, I'm watching Under the Banner of Heaven, so yeah. blame Andrew Garfield. But I actually, <laughs> I only recently got into Elizabeth Smart. Yeah. Um, I, I was aware of her existence, but, like, I was on a job interview once, and, like, a person seriously was just like, are you related? <laughs> And I seriously, I was just like, what answer gives me the job? Yeah, yeah, what maybe. <laughs> we don't talk about it. <laughs> it's a sensitive subject. Yeah. It's interesting because she has, um, <clears throat> I don't know if it's like a, if it's just a local thing here or what, but she has a self-defense class you can take that she sponsors. That has to be a local thing, because obviously yeah. she did not have good self-defense. Uh, right. And I guess, kids. like, the a butt of a lot of jokes, even for being a kid. But I know, I think even here people make fun of it. But, it, you know, that, that's good, I guess. That's good to do. But I'm curious. I know she doesn't teach it, so that's maybe, the, <laughs> maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> Don't worry. This is the We Get to this Be Dark podcast. It's what she should have done. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it's more of what her parents should have done. Um, lock mm, your yeah. doors. Yeah. And I know that neighborhood. That's not super far. That's actually very close to where I live. And it's a, it's right by the University of Utah. Just a, you know, great, wealthy neighborhood. And so I think, in you know, they feel, at least that, at that time, you know, that was like, what, 20 years ago or, or more. And it, I got the sense always that it felt like, they felt like they were untouchable up there because it was like very idyllic and and very safe you never heard of crime happening in that area so i think it, it was just kind of a it, it was crazy when it went down i mean because it did go it, you know it hit it hit national news big time but here it was just 
insane because like so many people there was always so many connections to that family most people had some kind of like they knew of them they were pretty prominent in the community already so they were known and and then that neighborhood is just you know a really cool kind of a you know it's right by the college campus university campus and it's just a cool place that is so fat see I feel bored sometimes that, like, there really isn't cool shit that ever went down. I know it sounds yeah. so fucked up, but I'm going to be like, dude, you had a kidnapping. That's great. That's very cool. But, you know, it sounds like it had to be, like, really, okay, this is how we segue. Inspirational <laughs> as a creative person to witness, yeah. though, that kind of, like, crazy wildness go down. I know it sounds weird because I'm from Chicago, but... Uh-huh. It's just par for the course. I'm used to this shit. Yeah. 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 So I think when it, when something like that, you know, I grew up here. I moved around a little bit in my 20s, but I, I, I settled back here. And I think it, it, and I didn't grow up a Mormon. So I think there was this element of being, you're detached from it. So you're, you're more of an observer, kind of seeing, at least, you know, just seeing some of the stuff that did come off, you know, kind of crazy. And depending on, honestly, it's like, and depending on who you talk to, you're getting a different version of that faith. So just like Under the Banner of Heaven, you know, I haven't seen the show, but I've read the book, and you have all these different slices of extremists who aren't, like, plugged into the the mainstream LDS church, but uh, they're kind of going off the scripture in a more pure way I hate to say it but yeah it, it I think it did like there was a lot of interest and there's there's a pretty interesting counterculture here there always has been because of like the conservative nature of it so there is like a lot of weird stuff that happens here and it, it is yeah it does kind of like spark your your creative juices definitely if you if you lean that way I mean Here's, okay, one of the few, like, big news things that happened with me. And this is actually a dark thing that I don't think I've ever actually admitted. So here Mm. we go. Mm. But I don't know. It's one of those things where I wonder, like, to get through or if you witness something, not, like, obviously directly, but, like, if you're, like, oh, my God, in that situation, did you ever feel the need to write about it? Um, Because there was a kid who went to school with me, and I was Mm. acquaintances with her, and she died um, mm. in a school shooting um, oh while we were in school. And I immediately see that that's like me at 16 Whoa. years old. I was just like, I'm just going to write about the day that this happened because it was oh. like a very big like deal because our teacher was like on a field trip with us when we found out that school shooting happened. Oh, my God. And, like, she was one of his favorite students. And, like, we just all looked up and we're like, where the fuck did all the adults go? Whoa. We're at the Hemingway Museum and we're doing stuff we definitely should not be doing. And no one is yelling at us. (laughs) And then we walk out and we see the teacher on the curb and we're like, shit just went bad. Something's wrong. So, like, do you ever have anything like that that made you just be like, I need to write about it? Hmm, that's a good question, and that's, I mean, I can't, that's, that's amazing, that's horrifically, like, amazing, and I, I, I feel like when I was a, especially a, a teenager, so I don't know if I have an, like, a direct answer to it, but I, there's gotta be, I think, I hated it here so much growing up, and I think I, I just didn't, 
I wanted to get out so bad. So I think when crazy stuff was kind of in, you'd hear stuff. And I remember being a really little kid. Um, and it had to have been before. I don't know. I'm trying to get, I, I'm probably getting the timeline messed up. But I know it wasn't, it was pretty close to me being either a born or very young child that, um, um, Oh, God, I'm blanking big time right now. Who's the serial killer that everyone thought was really attractive? Ted Bundy. There you go. Yeah, Ted Bundy. So Ted Bundy was here. And he... And there's all these, like, interesting connections. Like, he was going to the Mormon church for a while. uh, And then I know when he... One of the times he got arrested early on, there was people like the, you know, character like not straight up character witnesses but people were really going to support him like no this is not like Ted would never do this and you know and so I think like there's always that kind of stuff so I think I just kind of I I wish I would have like grasped onto it creatively Um, but I think I just wanted to get out of here so bad that I would just get like like oh this place is horrible and then kind of not think about it and then when I left I, I moved to Long Beach, California, in my early 20s, and then eventually to Boston, and then I came back here. So after I kind of moved around a bit and seen other things, that the stuff I saw elsewhere was more kind of, I guess you could say, inspirational or made me want to write or whatever. And even today, like, I try to go... I'll pick, a couple times a year, I'll pick just some random small town, either in Utah, Nevada, or Idaho, typically, Wyoming, and I'll drive there, and I'll spend, like, two or three nights, and just write, and then kind of, like, walk around the town, so it's kind of a, it's a nothing of a town, but I've never really spent any time there, or been there, and that kind of stuff, just the the mundane, boring, I'm sure there's kids in those towns that absolutely hate it, and want to get out, (laughs) But I find that stuff, like, like I went to Elko, Nevada last summer for a few days. With, took one of my dogs, and I Why just had the... one? They don't all get along. And there's, th- <laughs> there's three of them. And plus, like, even if they got along, it'd be, like, the two half chihuahuas are, are like, really yappy. And they can, they're scared of everything. So I can't really take them <laughs> to a ton That's of places. It's kind of hilarious, actually. I'm just... <laughs> The picture in my head, because you know, I'm getting the serene because I actually had a really great writing moment in uh, Cody, Wyoming. Mm, yeah, I know Cody. Yeah. So like, I'm imagining that clash, and now I'm an annoy, like thinking of annoying dogs. <laughs> Just like uh, I, I would feed you to a bison right now. Yeah, exactly. I take him like because with this particular one, I, I his name's Rooney, and he's just a, a mutt, but he's, he's not. He's not skittish, and he's pretty... He's just an easy dog to, to travel with. And so I'll bring, if I check into a hotel that allows dogs, he's an easy one because he's not going to bark. But, like, with the yappy ones, I'll take them to, like, an Airbnb. Mm. Um, we went to uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming, for a film festival I was covering last summer and, and brought the yappy ones. So, But it is funny when you bring, like like an element of home with you where you still have to take care of this thing. So I don't know if it keeps me grounded a little bit. Uh, and it's always fun, like walking the dog in a new environment, you know, it smells different. Like they're just like loving it and it, and it, it makes me happy too. So, but yeah, so I find it grounds you more. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think, like, what I've noticed since I got dogs, um, it's like five years now, it, it has helped me, like, develop routines better, where I've always struggled having routines that benefited me in the past. So I think, like, with a dog, like, especially Rooney, the one I'm talking about that I, that I took to Nevada, he, he really locks into his routines almost like almost too much though so it's like down to the minute like if you don't feed him at 5 p.m he starts barking like crazy it's like he knows it's the the most bizarre thing and then like one of the little ones if like i don't go to bed at a certain time she'll come out and just kind of look at me (laughs) and she's like well, that's what, like, what having a cat is like. <laughs> is that what it's like? I've I don't even a need cat. a clock. Like, <laughs> she knows. I know every morning I'm waking up at 5.40 exactly. Everyone always says that if you want to, like, wake up or, like, do something at a certain time, just feed your cat at that time. <laughs> and they will and they, never forget. That's incredible. Yeah. Like, I she's mean, asleep it, right now because <laughs> she, like, at a certain time was like, it's time for us to go to bed. And she'll yeah. just wait. <laughs> like, look at you, right? And just get that message across. Do your dogs do, like, the hurting you to sleep almost? Because, like, my cat will act like mm. a shepherd just a little bit. Come like, come on, guys. This is where we're going. I'm leading you. Well, so Rooney, the, he, his domain is in the, he has, it's a nice basement, but he, he lives in the basement. So he, at night, he, he has, like, more beds than he can choose from. He has, like, every... It's like a... I can't... I just see him, like, this, like, palace of all I'm these, like, dog I imagine, like, a beds. rich, entitled kid dog. Kinda, yeah. I think I think he has, like... I'm not rich by any means, but he... He, he would never know. He gets spoiled so much. But he is interesting. Like, he doesn't herd, like, in the home, but when I take him for a walk, like, I take him to an elementary school, a pretty pretty nearby and he it's a huge open field that he could just run run through but he he doesn't really do that he goes straight and this is anywhere I take him really that has big open spaces he goes directly to the fence line and he will he'll work his way around almost like a weird like uh, herding <laughs> instinct so he'll go just he walks the perimeter the space yeah he walks the perimeter of it all the way and then he wants to do another loop but kind of like an inner circle of of the land and then he's done and he's like okay we can go now that's kind of hilarious <laughs> like I just want it, you to write a story about that it, it is pretty funny yeah and just like observing him and he he loves people but he he just doesn't really care for he's not vicious at all and he won't but he just doesn't want to play with other dogs he's just not into it at all he's a like, writer's he best friend he is he's like and he looks like a writer's <laughs> Best friend. I think the picture I sent you is the one of Cosmo, who was like the little demon of the trio. But he's he's just like an an, an anxious wreck, and he 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 was funny. So I was not going to get a third dog, but I was. I don't know why. I, there's a humane society on my like route home from work, and I popped in one day. I saw him, and he was just like this underfed. He, they say he's like half Pomeranian, half Chihuahua, and, which is a crazy mix. And he 
just was scared and he had to be kept separate like he couldn't be he was in his own little area because he was and I couldn't even take him outside to like walk him around they said he's too scared so um, I was kind of keeping an eye I'm like I can't get a third dog and and then I was keeping and he wasn't getting adopted and so I finally just went back and got him and he was so calm that was one of the reasons I'm like he's so calm he's gonna fit in great and then as I'm signing the papers, they're like, well, he is on a low, just so you know, we're, we're sending you home uh, with trazodone. He is on a low dose of trazodone. And, and I'm like, well, is that, is that changing his personality? And they said, oh, no, 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 no. He's, he's very calm. Like, no, he's, it's, it's more for the anxiety. Bullshit. <laughs> and he is like the, he's, he's the funnest dog ever. But he has so much energy like when he runs outside, if he has to poop, he does. He spins a lot. So if he runs out, I thought he would outgrow this. So he runs outside. He'll just start spinning like crazy. And if he really has to poop, he so he always spins before he poops. But if he has to really go, it goes flying. The shit goes flying as he's spinning. I mean, it's quite a sight. But he definitely not a calm dog. He's the sweetest, but he is. Um, he, he's been a a trial for sure <laughs> but he has nowhere else to go so he he has to stay here <laughs> and he's become the face of the show story like, <laughs> the dog like shit everywhere or the fact that i i find it hilarious when animals are on human medications yeah yeah like my cat she's got a whole thing of xanax like she's yep. ready <laughs> and it was what's funny is like he he struggled for the you know he he's gotten so much I've had him four years now he's gotten so much better and um but they have him, we had him on yeah we had him on Xanax for a bit and it was not it made him more hyper really it made it, it made it worse so then they put him on um it is yeah it was like more complex than me when I was getting medicated and oh this medication's not working or whatever so he was on Prozac didn't work Xanax didn't work. Um, and now he kind of, I feel like he grew up a little bit, so a lot of his, um, anxiety has lifted. He's still a pretty anxious dog, but he, he's gotten better. I think he might, he had to have been abused. Um, he was probably about a year when I got him. He had to have been abused. He was, he just looked, he looks like a different dog from when I got him. And, um, but so now I, just, I have like Trazodone on hand for him. <laughs> and he usually, um... You know, he responds to that if, if necessary. You know that people, like, in other countries, one, look at Americans, and they're like, what the fuck is the matter with them and yep. all their medications? You know if they find out that our, like, animals are on medications, they too. They can't let them know. They can't listen to this. Or they're just like, wait, the animals need emotional medication? <laughs> Not just physical? Like, Not, what the hell? Where are I? Yeah, that like that's a systemic like there's some there's some deeper underlying issues going on with us. <laughs> we're very in touch with our feelings here. I guess so. And we're in touch with our animals' feelings. Yeah, I know. Like it pains me. I mean, I can't even imagine having a child. I'd be so overprotective. That's why I'm, I'm glad I don't have kids. I'd be like, I would just ruin this kid. You know, I'd be trying to help, and I would just be wrapping them in bubble wrap and. I couldn't, I couldn't take him out of the house. <laughs> It'd be like Bubble Boy. Bubble I, uh, Boy. <laughs> I think the Jake Gyllenhaal version every time. I don't know why. Yeah. I know there's yeah. the 
older, more classic one, but Jake Gyllenhaal really rocked that movie. I like that. Yeah, I like that movie. Yeah. So, so you'd have good. a Bubble Boy. I could see it. He'd be happy. He wouldn't know better. <laughs> as long as we keep him in the house. <laughs> Until that one second, it was like, yeah. really? I was fine this whole time? <laughs> Oh, that's good. So uh, I, I do want to, I wanted to ask you though, cause you, okay. So bring in like the, the writing. Uh, oh, I was going to pivot there uh, too. So we'll, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, do no, it. no, no. But just like, I, cause you said you wrote, how did you end up in Cody, Wyoming? Um, you know, that's just something we do. We just drive around and do random mm-hmm. road trips. Cody, Wyoming that. is probably one of my favorite, like travel stories although mm-hmm. like i know i just recently went to egypt and everyone's like what was that like <laughs> and it's like it's nowhere near as amusing as like some of the trips i've gone to like here like yeah. when i went to cody wyoming we were going for the sole purpose that we were going to head over to yellowstone mm. yeah and i just liked waking up and just the mist there was yeah. beautiful but the night prior to going to yellowstone was probably the best part because um, it was right when uh, Twin Peaks, The Return, mm-hmm. was coming mm-hmm. out. And if you know anything about that area, it's kind of a data dead zone. Yeah. So it ended up with me, my, well, he was my boyfriend at the time, and his sister, because we were all in an RV. We decided yeah. that we wanted to try and do the family shit. <laughs> and realizing, hey, there's a Walmart down the road. <laughs> <laughs> The sister has no concept as to why I want to get data. And she's like, whatever, let's go. And while we're just kind of hanging around, we realize that there's actually, like, a literal roadhouse bar across the street. Uh And this is late night because we didn't want to let parents know that we were sneaking out. (laughs) And you know that it's sad because I was, like, 27. So, like... (laughs) We really didn't need to be ashamed because we do go to the Roadhouse Bar in our pajamas. <laughs> and, like, there's a There's band probably plenty of other playing. people in pajamas. <laughs> no, no, everyone else. They were, like, good old boys and, like, playing, like, down in Mexico and shit. <laughs> so one guy asked me to dance, and I'm just like, I am wearing Harry Potter pajama pants, sir. <laughs> Not judgmental. <laughs> no, no, definitely chill. And then we went across the street to the Walmart. And while I was downloading uh, episode eight, I remember this very clearly. <laughs> we are now drunk from all the shots that we did at the Roadhouse Bar. And we're just like, ah, oh, we need to buy something here or we look like assholes. <laughs> so we bought a volleyball that we never oh. used. <laughs> See that to me, that's like so much more fascinating than Egypt. <laughs> it really is. I mean, you know, I could tell stories about like having a twelve-year-old like driving a speedboat so I can get to this lagoon, and he's going like against the waves and is slightly competing with another boat. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where like Belent was like freaking out, like, "Oh my God, we're gonna die!" <laughs> but no, I think the I Cody that. Wyoming story is better. I do too. Yeah. I do too, and that's gonna stick with me. It sticks with me every time. You know, seriously, like, Mallory's dying in a desert in Egypt. (laughs) Mallory had a really weird roadhouse bar experience. Yeah, I want to hear about that. (laughs) So, like, you know, I I, I tend to write and everything. I have a shit ton of short stories that, like, I just, they're Mallory stories. I don't need to share everybody. You know. Yeah, I hear you. But, like, I Google you, 
I tend to uh, do this before every podcast. Don't worry. I know you already, but I, yeah. I just like to see, like, what people, like, what is their thing that they're known for. Yeah. And you are primarily known for Salt Lake Dirt, just like how you were mentioning in our podcast that I am primarily known for Malden House. Right. Would you prefer to be known for something else? Hmm. I... That's a good question too. I mean, I, I would, I like, I love Salt Lake Dirt, and um, I would love just kind of like when we talked last time. But I, the thing is, I haven't published anything yet, so I would, you know, I would love to be Kyler Bingham writer, also host of Salt Lake Dirt. Uh, that's that's the dream, I suppose, and I, I you know I, eventually it'll it'll get there, because um, that's how I view myself. Um, even though no one, you know, I haven't been published yet, but that's how I write. I've been working on something, a novel, for uh, quite a while now, and so the hope is, uh, you know, and I guess I'll, we'll find out. Maybe, and, and if I was just known for Salt Lake Dirt, I would be happy with that, because it's been uh, it's been a really cool experience. And I think, yeah, I think it's I've I've it's really become my social life in ma- in many ways, and you know, hopefully no one I know personally here in in Utah is listening <laughs> to, to this, but I'll just whatever I'll just say it. The people I talk to on my show are so much more interesting <laughs> than the people that I talk to ah, maybe we should cut that whatever no. you're all everyone's great it's a different kind of interaction it's a creative action it's because um, we get each other at like a different like level than like yeah. the people you speak to in real life I mean I just did a literary reading um, for my new book and yeah. Dimitri was there he was one of yeah. the readers but my nieces were there too and they were fucking psyched because they listened to that horror cast yeah and like they were oh, just great. like, finally we meet Dimitri. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> he was a letdown to them. <laughs> <laughs> just keep listening. Don't meet him in person. <laughs> I know. They're like, this is the guy. I was like, yes, this is Dimitri. This is the guy. That's awesome. Yeah, I think like um, with it, well, the one thing I like about podcasts is you you just kind of you jump into a, a much more like the small talk kind of goes away and you start talking. I feel like I know like someone I've had on my show twice in many ways. I feel like I know them better than people I've worked with for five, seven years, <laughs> you know? And it's, it's kind of cool. It's like you, you just like, you kind of hyperspeed conversation in many ways. Cause you, you know, there's an expectation of, I don't know what there's an expectation of, but it just feels like the, the conversations kind of just immediately jump into something. Um, and even if the audience may not find it all interesting, at least I find it interesting, whoever I'm talking to in that given moment. So, but I mean, I, come on, you're a podcaster. I'm one, too. There yeah. are some people where you're like, wow, that person was boring. Sure. Yeah, I for sure. I mean, I, I, I steer the best I can... Uh, steer away from that. I would say, like, with the writers I have on, it's usually pretty good. Um, I do film festivals as well, so I'll do kind of, like, these, like, mini-episodes, and I'll do, you know, at a festival, I'll do, like, 20 to 40 interviews, 
and sometimes oh yeah some of you those. can't vet all them no and so but it's like to me it's still it, it, I like doing those because I feel like it helps me kind of lean into awkwardness and just kind of like be okay with it and then it only has to last 10 minutes if it's like god awful <laughs> so but I would say like the people I have on for an hour um I I don't just usually agree to it immediately like I have to like like what you did with me like google people and be like okay does this seem interesting to me um before I'll commit to you know reading someone's book that you know because that takes time because I really do my best to read everyone's book that's on um I'll then, admit it here sometimes I don't yeah I mean I haven't all the time I mean I really I did read your book I, and that's not a lie I read <laughs> It's all right if you're lying or not. I'll believe you. I'm not like, I I mean, I would just like keep quiet. I try to lie through a mission more than anything in my life. (laughs) I did have one podcast where someone was like, you didn't read the book. (laughs) But I did actually read the book. I was just very awkward. (laughs) But like throughout the podcast, she was just like, come on, you could admit it. It's like, I did, though. I really did did. read your book. It was just really not good. I forgot a lot of it. It said yeah. a fire alarm went on in the middle <laughs> of yeah. the podcast, and then I just got all flustered. I was like, ah, <laughs> I don't know what to do. I, oh, that's so funny. I got, like, I don't know about you, like, but, like, with, so, with my show, it wasn't even supposed to be a podcast. It kind of, it, it was just initially um, just a website that had, like, interviews and, you know, and then it, and then it eventually morphed into a podcast during the pandemic, like so many other things, I just, it was like my way to connect with people, but, um, I'm, and then the, the name, like, I would never thought I would have like, uh, associated myself with Salt Lake, not out of embarrassment, but it just, so I ha- I like the name, my friend, Tony Duchesne, who's a writer actually came up with it. Cause I was like trying to come up with a name. He has a cool pod- podcast called drinks with Tony where he has authors on and, and then, you know, they just talk about the book or whatever, or whatever. And it's one of my, what's, it's one of my favorites. Did they get smashed with Tony? Well, they, okay. So they used to, so he used to be on the radio like 20 years ago and they used to actually have drinks, but now, um, now that doesn't happen just cause <laughs> Tony's a little older than he was. Also, so now, I recognize this. It's a little too unpredictable unpredictable and then a lot of people at this point they're in recovery so he tries and now it's just called drinks with tony uh but it did initially start out they would do that yeah they would have drinks and 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 talk on the radio um but he's been like part of that now i'm into it i mean it's a great yeah i mean i wish it's a great concept i want to hear like the early episodes because i think they were all radio so i don't know if they're even out there but yeah it's a it is a great idea and um yeah, I, I forget what I said. Oh, yeah, he just he kind of came up. We were just kind of spitballing names, and because he he gave me he's given me some great advice um, over the years. I'd consider him one of my one of my best friends, and he he he's just like you just got to start. You just got to start because I mean I I think I knew that, but I'm always kind of like oh, I gotta get it just right before I start it. He's like just get this, just get the get the fucking website started, get the domain, whatever. To start it, just do something, you know. And, so I get the salt lake, that. but where where did you get the dirt? I don't. So 
I I don't even remember. Like I th- I don't know if it was like. I, a lot of people ask like, "Are you trying to get dirt on me?" <laughs> like, well, no. Nah. Oh. I like that. You should just lean into that. Yeah. So I was like, "Well, may- yeah, no." So here here's what's crazy. So um, so he didn't really have any. He just like, "Oh, this sounds kind of cool" or whatever. And he's like, he's like, "You should lean in to the fact that you're from Salt Lake because it does kind of intrigue." Some people, because I mean, I'm here, so it clearly doesn't intrigue people here. Um, I don't, I haven't had many people that are local on the show, and um, if anything, they're the, they can be the people that are the pain in the ass <laughs> to like. Those damn Mormons. Those damn Mormons. They just, you know, they're gonna get their own planet, so they think they're better than the rest of us. But. <laughs> I mean, I think I'd act that way too if I thought I was gonna get my own planet. I mean, yeah, you know, I, obviously, it would be my husband's planet, not mine. There you go. You can live on, but it, that's still pretty good. You know, <laughs> it's a pretty good home, and and I don't even know if that's true. That people go, yeah. Anyway, we could. There's a, all kinds. We can get into theology another time. There's tons of stuff, but it just sounds cool. Um, but all, like joking aside, I, I think, um, yeah, they've it's been. And I've kind of just like stopped, kind of trying to be a Utah podcast. Uh, and I've talked to people who do, who've done like film festivals here that a lot of people travel to, not like the big ones like Sundance, but other things. And they they say the same thing that it's like very challenging with like the Utah Salt Lake community um, for whatever reason. I feel like a lot of like, um, and here I am just talking shit. I know I feel bad, but if you've been on my show and you're from Utah, that means you're one of the good ones. So I'm not talking about you, but. Some of the folks who are, like, filmmakers or actors or writers, they have this, like, uh, it just seems like an unplaced arrogance that they think they're, like, hotter shit than they really are. Um, I don't know. So, but the people who've been on my show have been lovely, and they're not the ones I'm talking about. Yes, I'll say the same thing about my show. You're all yeah. loved. You're all, we, yeah, you wouldn't be on my show. I wouldn't, we, we, we wouldn't be doing this, but... Um, yeah, so the dirt, so that's one one explanation. Dirt is like getting dirt on someone, and then um, I thought it was crazy because after I had named it, uh, the Great Salt Lake has been like in a crazy fast way drying up. So it's becoming this toxic dirt essentially. Ooh. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, I can't. I mean, I don't like that. That's happening. That we're breathing that all in. But I'm like, it's like a prophetic name. <laughs> so those are the two kind of things I, I joke with that's what the name means but it means it means nothing so here's no a meaning. fun thing that I will question mm-hmm. um, because I, I obviously you've had some Malden House people on yeah. the show yeah. and I don't actually associate you with Salt Lake City I don't I don't oh, associate cool. you with the area at all so like oh, at I times that, people actually. ask me like why the name <laughs> yeah. and it's like I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah, it takes you to actually talk about it. Like, it's not part of your branding or identity mm. that I witness at all. Interesting. Yeah. No, I totally get that. I think it was just I needed a name. I and think you, in your about <laughs> page, need to advertise, I am from Salt Lake. <laughs> <laughs> I am from Salt Lake. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was funny. Like, I had. Oh, you do have it, though. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, do I? I haven't checked it in a while. Does it say Salt Lake? <laughs> Tyler is a writer, educator, and proud dog dad. He lives in Salt Lake City. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> it's so That's little, though. It should be bigger. <laughs> yeah, I guess, it, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. The na- Yeah, it's funny because coming up with stuff. So that's why it's, I think it's good to have friends like that who are just like, just do it. 
because you'll never do it if you don't do it. And then now it's just be kind of uh, like I've been doing it long enough now that it just feels natural. I don't like I don't love it. I don't hate it. It's just it's just the name now. I've accepted that. So why do you think you've stuck to podcasting more than throwing yourself into the writing arena? Are you sticking to, like, you don't want to publish anything unless it's, like, something, like, the thing you were mentioning, the long-form, like, novel, or don't yeah. want to put yourself out there? I mean, I guess that's a, uh, that's a good question. I mean, I think um, I, just like so many of the writers I talk to, like, just that, like, especially if you haven't really shared much of your work. I've done some writing workshops, and I'm starting one next month that I'm really excited with, with, with someone who was actually on the show um, a couple times over the years. And uh, I think that will that will help. But I think when I've just gotten so, with the writing element of it, just so in my own head with it, and it's kind of um, un- unnerving to... And it is a, it's a big ask to ask someone to read. Oh, read my novel and give me, <laughs> give me you know, I get feedback. asked all the time. I would never... I don't know. Unless I'm paying them... I just can't. I feel I'm like maybe if you could read a chapter or a few pages. You get like you, a literary bestie. Like that—that—that's your job is literary yeah. besties. Where it's like we're helping each other. That's true because I've read people's. You know, they've sent me stuff now, and and I'll read it. So I mean, I, I think um, I've fallen with the project. I I should write shorter stuff because I do have a bunch of ideas, just like notes on stuff. But I've never really. You know, I think before doing the podcast, I just wasn't aware of all these literary um, sites and literary magazines where, you know, there, there's a lot more. We all um, stumble our way in yeah. at the most random times. I'm just dying to know what your style is. I want to know what your voice is like in writing. Well, thanks. I mean, I think um, hopefully soon people can find out. My goal is to get this damn thing um ready and done by the end of the summer. Oh, that's um, a long deadline you gave yourself there. I guess, but I've been working on it. So I've like restarted it. Maybe I should, should I do shorter? What do you think? Well, I, I mean, think I, I don't do know that. if I knew your style, I could say, yeah, but like you just being a blank slate, like, yeah, I may really be awful. Yeah. That may be, that would be that's really why, like, awkward. I would <laughs> test the waters with signs short. Just be like, oh, let's yeah. see. I like that idea. Falling, but I, okay. I don't know. Like when I tested the waters, I accidentally turned into a poet. Like I wasn't <laughs> trying to do that. <laughs> where did you put your stuff up? Like when you were kind of testing the waters, where did you initially? Was it just on, on your own site, or did you put it up on? Um, oh, I never self. Okay, I'll lie. I self-published once, and I also uh-huh. published one of Belen's pieces as well. We we have fake names, but. Um, <laughs> See, yeah. we don't just have coffee names. We have writer <laughs> names, too. <laughs> and uh, they're usually from the letters of our actual names, so it works out. If you really want to search yeah. for us on Malden House, you'll find it. Okay, interesting. But a lot of them that I originally were doing, that was, like, in the Tumblr Facebook era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I, I don't even think they really exist. And if they do exist, they're not on my radar anymore yeah like I know one like I think it's the first one that published me it does not exist anymore I think electric cereal okay great name 
Yeah, it was a pretty cool name. It was a pretty cool site. Um, no idea what happened to the editor-in-chief there. Yeah. That's the fun part. Like, I went to my old website where I showcased my writing, and now I have a new one because I'm into style and design more. Half the links don't work, though. <laughs> because so many people shudder. Yeah. But yeah. it's what gets people to know who you are. So then suddenly people are like, Mallory Smart. Okay, another thing yeah. by Mallory Smart. So it'd be cool to just kind of see, like, more of your stuff kind of, like, trickle in there. Ooh, I love that. I don't know why I hadn't really thought of that. I think that's... I mean, I've... Um, I don't know if I was talking to El, El Nash on here. Oh, I love she, her. She, isn't she the best? Like, her new book is... <clears throat> incredible. I haven't I, gotten that one yet. I love, I love it. And she said something. I don't know if she said it on the show or if she said it on something else, or, or what. But it was just, she was a big proponent. I think with her, like, um, kind of along the same lines. Like when she had a book and there's maybe certain themes in it, she was like, try to write, like something. Like if it's like a. A, you know, a pregnant mom in the in the book or whatever, and and writing from maybe an element of experience, like write some nonfiction, some short pieces related to that. So it's like kind of connected to your. Oh, I like that. Your novel, your eventual like work that you're putting out, so it kind of gets people thinking. It, it connects you with those things. I thought that was like a really cool um, idea, but yeah, I guess it's so funny because I think sometimes. With the, with my show, I just become because I don't talk about my stuff because I don't want to be that guy who's like, well, my my book. <laughs> no, you should <laughs> you know? though. Let people but, get to know you because you're kind of like an enigma. Ooh, I, that's interesting. Yeah. That's okay. I like that, but I think um, <laughs> Kyla <laughs> does not want to know, be known. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I could see that for sure. I think there's you know there's a there's a lot of. Uh, that, I wouldn't say mystery, but things just not spoken about. <laughs> it might make you a reason. better host, though. Who knows? Yeah. I think... I feel like sometimes when an episode really hits and really does well, and um, it's... I've, I've like, shared... Maybe I'm not... It's, I'm not the focus of it, but I've shared something personal, and then more personal than I would normally share, and I'm okay with that. But it, 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 feel, it feels like sometimes the guest like really responds to that and the conversation like becomes so much better after that little like point of um, personal things and of me just asking questions so yeah now this is it gets someone to, like it gets them to kick a little bit you know you're yeah. nudging them where it's like yeah. hey this is a safe environment I have your weird ass issue too let's talk yeah, about it exactly yeah no I think um, one so one of my favorite authors Jonathan Ames who's been on my show a couple times. Um, and he's just been so kind to me and, 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 and my show. And he's, he's given me some great advice. And I had been talking to him once about, um, when I was a teenager, I was really into old comedy, like specifically the three stooges. I was like obsessed with them, like read every book on them. And, and, and then that got me into old Hollywood. But anyway, so I'm like a teenager this is like the the late 90s and some of the people associated with those films were still alive or they were old you know very very old but I started corresponding with different people like writing letters to like this you know like an old 
Uh, he was a director, writer. He, he wrote directed a bunch of those old Three Stooges shorts. And then he did a, did a bunch of B-horror movies. He was in his 90s when I started writing him. And then my dad took me out to meet the guy a few times over, you know, before he passed away. And then another guy, he was an old vaudevillian in, in, in his 90s as well. And he, he lived in Las Vegas. His name was Mousy Garner. And we would go visit him because Vegas is, wasn't super far from here. So, um, Jonathan, somehow that came up in conversation. He's like, you have to write about that. That is so interesting. You need to write about that. And I had never even, like, considered that. I'm like, I guess that is it. Like, not many teenagers at any at any time period in history or whatever, they're, like, into a generation. You know, this guy, Mousy, was, like, running all over the country in the, you know, in the, in the 20s doing his vaudeville act. And then he was in... He, he was in show business his whole life, you know, on a kind of a lower rung, but he, like, you know, he made a living and, and really fascinating guy, you know, and he, he died like 20 years ago. But so stuff like that, I think I, I had never even considered writing about it until Jonathan mentioned it. And then he's mentioned it a couple times. Um, I'm and joining so, his side saying you should write that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I, I've started it. I've started it. So I think that'll be my first thing that's a small piece that I'll put. I'll try to get out there. And so hopefully that can give a sense of um, my voice, you know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like I haven't zeroed in on it on the nonfiction level, but I think it's very, I think it's pretty similar to the fiction I'm writing in some, I mean, it's me, so I guess. <laughs> I found that, like, listening back, to old recordings of myself mm. has actually really helped me find my voice because then you start to like kind of correlate like what huh. themes you're always like talking about. Ooh, I love that. And I think like you have enough episodes and I'm sure that like you've just kind of freehand written like random notes. Like I have stuff all over my like yeah. Apple notes and everything where like you'll just notice the trends. Yeah. Oh, that's, an, yeah, I love that. I do have to ask no. though, like... Yeah. In the emails we were exchanging, you were saying that, like, with different characters, you kind of have, like, different soundtracks per them. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, with this story, like, what kind of soundtracks would be happening here? Like, some, like the, the stuff I've sent over to you, like, the, the, some of those songs? Uh, like, or with just... the potential short story. Oh, like with the with the old vaudevillian guy? Yeah, because I think that's like probably most interesting because that's like so removed. Yeah. From like our time frame, so it's like, ooh, what would you pick? Well, so he he was a. What's cool about him? He was a musician, and he played he played a ton of like all those guys. Like they knew how to do everything. <laughs> they could like you know dance and it was just sing. Um, they're just entertainers, you know. They had the, you know especially in vaudeville, I think, like, really be able to do a lot of different things. But he played, um, I don't know if people are familiar, at least they are big in, like, the 50s, and I don't know if it went into the 60s, but the Spike Jones, not the director, but the, he was an old comedian, Spike Jones band. Um, Mousy played stand-up bass in that band. So Ooh, they're, I like... That. I was, like, yeah, ready to Google shit, and I was like, oh, okay, I don't need to... <laughs> Yeah, so they, um, and then, like, Billy Barty was in that band, who was that um, little person that was in tons of stuff over the years. He's in Willow. Um, he's in UHF with Weird Al. He plays the cameraman in, in, in that movie. But um, they have a 
ton of recordings that I haven't really delved into too much. I have a couple vinyls of of the Spike Jones band, but I think that would be and they're like, you know, it's like comedy records. That's what they did, but they were all like phenomenal I musicians. I love comedy records. Yeah, and so I think hard to find those these days. They really are. I mean, a lot of them you can find on YouTube, but like the actual thing, even you know. Are you an actual like record collector or just your YouTubing, Spotify? What? I do both. Like I'm not like I I kind of pulled back from like collecting like I used to just because I didn't I didn't take care of <laughs> them as well. So now like I only get vinyl if I get like an autograph version of something. So I like I got a uh, I got a kind of a cool thing. Just I think it just came last week. It was a Nancy Sinatra signed press. Um, testing record of something like a singles compilation she had put out. So stuff like that I'll collect um, if it's autographed by the person. I mean, that's pretty badass. I like that reasoning. Yeah, so I collect stuff like I'll have, a, I'll have signed records um, and that's kind of about it. I have a, I'm a high school teacher and so I have like a kind of a shitty record player at work. That way kids can like play around, like learn how to use it and not be what's so funny because like initially I would never bring in like quote unquote nice stuff oh, to that's work like, what, why though why, why are you bringing that well it's not a nice one but the thing is they are so delicate with it like to an annoying degree almost they're like too delicate with it so I'll bring it I have that there and then I have like two uh, milk crates of like really really beat up records uh like when I used to collect when I was a, a teenager, when you could you could still get like a at, a at the thrift store for like a quarter or fifty cents, you know, before it became like really cool to collect records again. So I'd buy like a ton of those. So a lot of those records are there and they're really banged up. But like I like to try to I try to show most of the kids how to like use a record player, and that's always kind of cool. I think they slowly cool. know now, thanks to Urban yeah. Outfitters. Yeah, <laughs> they do a lot of them. Yesterday, I saw this girl. She's walking around with a box, a record, like a little portable suitcase record player that, like, her boyfriend had just given a, like, a Christmas present. So oh, she I was know walking those. around with, yeah. They're always, um, like, the really cool colors, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, um, it, I thought that was so, I'm like, that sounds like you got to keep her. That's cool. But, but no, I don't, I don't really collect vinyl, but I like stuff like that. I can't pass up if it's like, so I keep all that at home, like, autograph records or, um, you know, if it's like a, a, a band that I really love, um, I'll do that. So definitely not like a record nerd, but I'll like, I'll find a lot of stuff on YouTube, like old stuff like that. Like, so I need to dig in, but I know there's a lot, I know there's Spike Jones records, uh, on YouTube and I think it's cool that people take the time to put those up. But I guess like to, as far as like a soundtrack for that, um, I think I would put that on. And the first time I met Mousy, this was in 1996, so I'm like 15 years old. And my brother, I, don't know, I was going to say my brother at the time. <laughs> He's not my brother. <laughs> my brother at the time was a huge... He wouldn't be on the podcast. <laughs> no, exactly. He was a huge, a huge Kiss fan, and that was like the year they came back and put their makeup back on. Oh my god, on. you would so get along with Brian Allen Ellis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? <laughs> he went yeah. to Chicago, and like, I swear to god, we spent the day just looking for Kiss albums. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love Kiss, I love, well, 
it was then I was like it was like really cool when they came back and put the makeup on because they had been they'd gone through the eighties and early nineties without the makeup and uh they you know so I you know I I'll still I'll never turn off a Kiss song. Um, I mean that's partially the inspiration <laughs> for this podcast. Really. I was in Miami with him. I can't tell you how high everybody was at that moment, but it was Miami. Yeah. So, yeah, like he was saying that you could only divide society into two people, people who love KISS and Mm. people who hate KISS. I didn't decide which one I landed on, but I I, I actually do love KISS, especially after seeing the movie Detroit Rock City. I I know. I'm a nerd. But, like, that definitely turned into, like, if you listen to all the early episodes of Textual Healing, Uh I ask that question. Really? Or I'm just like, so do you love Kiss or do you hate Kiss? (laughs) Like, I'm kind of like, if I was asked that question, I'd be... I love Kiss, but let me explain. <laughs> let me explain. I no, kept getting very <laughs> indifferent answers, and I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to ask that anymore. It's like kind of like with Brett Easton Ellis when, like, what are your thoughts about the Eagles at the end of his podcast? Every episode, he asks the guest about the Eagles. <laughs> That's another one where it's like, yeah, I'm indifferent. I like I'm the indifferent, yeah. Too. yeah. Yeah, I'm indifferent, yeah. Whereas, um, like, I'll never turn away a Kiss album, but it's like, I don't yeah. love them. Right. Right. I think, like, when you, there's something about, like, you know, being a 15... So, I guess the how that even came up was we were going to Vegas to see Kiss on that first tour with them, with the makeup on. So, my dad took me and my brother down there, and, um, which was, like, incredible seeing them. That was, like, like, I'd never seen a show like that. This is, yeah, 1996. I'm 15. It was... I hadn't really seen a lot of shows at that point anyways, maybe just a handful. And it was just insane. It was so much fun. And then I became, like, all through high school, really, really loved Kiss and listened to all the, the all the albums. Um, so I was, like, definitely, definitely into it. So I guess I would put some Kiss songs on that because that was the first time I visited Mousy before we went to the show. I think it might have been that same day. My dad, um, we met Mousy at, like, a, a little cafe. Um and we we met him, you know, and so I always kind of link him with Kiss, and then what's really weird is in the 80s, he was in a David Lee Roth video, I know different what? band, but like, yeah, he was in this David Lee Roth video, music video. This sounds like the most interesting man on earth. Oh my gosh, I'll, have to, I'll send you some stuff on him, he was like, fascinating, he's like five foot two. Like, this <laughs> is very... a goals moment yeah. right now. I know, and what's what's crazy, so I saw him several times, and he died when I was, like, 23, and so I kept in contact with him and saw him a lot from, you know, the age of 15 to 23, so about an eight-year period, and um, he was just, he was, he would talk so fast, too, and he was, like, he, he had a lot of energy, even for an old dude, and he, like, I wish I, I recorded him once, I actually put a tape recorder, one of our, um, one of our meetings, and I've still never listened to it. I digitized it, but I have not even listened to it yet. Um, so that is ready to go. But I think he, there was just so much. He was firing so much, and he talked so fast and so much. Like, I'd never met anything, anyone like that before anything, this old. Anything, anyone. Anything, anyone. <laughs> <laughs> He was, <laughs> You're making him sound like a freak of nature right now, but keep he going. Kind of, he was no, he was incredible. Like he was just, he was just 
you know, old Jewish dude from, um, raised in Washington. I think he was from D.C. or Baltimore. He was, um, he was from that area. And just, you know, like that generation is gone now. So I was like really grateful. I never had, I didn't think of it at the time, but I'm just, just, it was something that, that interested me. And I think he got a real kick out of like a, a kid, <laughs> like taking interest in him. So we have like all these letters that I've kept correspondence with him. Uh, he, he wrote an autobiography and he mentioned me in it at the end. Like, like I think my kind of comedy is coming around again. Even the kids <laughs> like it. <laughs> Have you noticed like the oldest, like the older artists actually love it when younger people like know who they are and are like fanning yeah, over them. They do. I mean, I guess like it does. You know, it, it makes sense. It like makes them feel like I. You know, I've even talked to some. You know, they, I guess they like older writers. I'm talking to people like in their seventies now, and mm-hmm. like they like they think that no one's reading their stuff and you know i disagree i would disagree with that there's somebody reading it there's younger people reading it but they get they almost like don't think that's possible but they do they love it and i get it like i think that would be so you know if you can if you're like 70 80 90 and you have a 25 year old like into what you're doing that's got to feel kind of cool like okay like maybe i will live on in some way but yeah totally I mean this tells me that like you knew from a very young age that like you might have like had a creative bone like a heavy creative like thing going on with you like did you always like vibe that yeah oh for sure like I always wanted to be a filmmaker that was kind of the thing and so I made like me and my buddy who was I still think one of the funniest people I know like we made all these like short like horror films we made a bunch of slasher like films like I'm talking like on video camera, but we spent oh, a lot I of like come to Salt Lake City now. I need to be it, part of this. It was it was so much fun, and so um, I don't think they hold up. But you know, we spent a nothing lot of time, up, and nothing <laughs> nothing holds up. I love that. <laughs> but it was like the funnest thing, and we took it very serious. Um, and we started like you know I'd go to the. I would go to Sundance because um, it's you know it's up in Park City, not far from me. So I started going to Sundance when I was a teenager, just to like walk around and and, and get into a movie if I could, um, which has been kind of cool seeing that explode. Uh, it was big then, like in the '90s, but um, now it's just like absurd how like many people come into town for it. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, definitely like always had that creative like. Um, like element or filmmaking but then I really like so really the writing was the thing that I enjoyed the most because when usually we would just shoot something but like when I got I'm talking like 17 years old or so I would start like writing little scripts and I felt like I really enjoyed that so I think like the writing um is what I've always kind of been drawn to whether I realized it or not and I've always like I think I, I kind of gave up on everything <laughs> As far as, like, I, 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 yeah, I gave up. But I always, like, would write. Like, I have journals and, you know, journals that I've kept, journals that I've burned. <laughs> journals that, like, I didn't okay, want to write. I know, but I, I was like, this has to be burned. Um, but I've always, you know, wrote. So I would say it hasn't been until the last, you know, six, seven years that I've been, like, 
seriously, like, I can't, I can't, I want to write, like, I'm going to write something. I'm going to write something and get it published. Because um, before, I just didn't think it was, I think I'd had too much old school mentality where it was like, it's not practical, it's, it's not, don't do it, you're going to There was fail. a moment where <laughs> I literally thought you had to be at least 40 before you could write a book. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, one day, like, I noticed some, it, it was known as alt-lit, I'm sure you're aware of, yeah. where I was just like, these people are writing books. Fuck that 40 <laughs> thing. I'm going for it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it. it What's it's it going to so take for you to just go for it? I think I'm going to go for it after this conversation. Not No bullshit either, because I think if I can get the mousy story worked out, um, I part of me is like really incentivized. I know it's like several months off, but it'll be 20 years ago he died in July. This coming mm-hmm. July, 24. So my, like, I have to have something for him in my mind. Like, I have some really cool, like, photos of him, some cool black and whites that I took of him on film um, way back when. And I think um, I just got to start doing it. I think, like, definitely talking to people like you, it really, it just is, it's so encouraging because it does, like, yeah, this is possible. I think, like, it, it's, I don't talk about this stuff at all, like, in my, like, work life or people around me in the in the quote-unquote real world but it I feel like when you do people are like can be very discouraging Um, I mean people like to wow I was just gonna start quoting my book whatever (laughs) do it I love the book (laughs) I refuse but it's one of those things where they want to normalize you too because they are stuck in this area in life and it almost makes them a missionary to a certain degree where they don't want you to like yeah. go out and do something that they don't understand. For sure, yeah. And it confirms their own biases, and yeah. that's why you just got to get the fuck out of it, though. Yeah. You oh, need yeah. someone to kick you in the ass. <laughs> well, this conversation's helping. I'm, I'm, I love it. I love it. I'd say it's my goal to get everybody to write more, but it is a very competitive field. So. Well, the cool thing is, like, I've given up making any money. I mean, I would love to make money, but that is like that is not even. That's on the bottom of the list at this point. And it is I, and a sad thing. Do you care, though, about that? Um, I, I mean, it, I want to... I, I care. It doesn't consume my thoughts. And I think, like, the industry has shifted so much that it's like it just doesn't seem possible. Um... But I don't want to, like, give up on it, but I don't want that dream to, like, define me. And I do actually love my career as a teacher. Um, as, like, challenging as it is sometimes, like, I do you have a lot like of fun. You sound like the cool teacher, though. <laughs> I'm the cool teacher. I'm too easy on him, for sure. I mean, I but... had an English teacher who brought a guitar to class and would play, like, Soundgarden. You sound, like, 20 that. times cooler, so, yeah. Um, well, thanks. I hope, you know, I try to, I try to make it fun, like... You know, we. I feel like I have fun a lot every day, and I think students need that because I, you know, I think they have a lot of. They're just like being told what to do all day, every day. I tell them this all the time, and I, I try to give you like a little <laughs> break from that, like give them within some breathing reason. Room. Exactly, and I feel like that's when you can get them. It takes like time to kind of build up this rapport and this like level of trust but like at this point in the school year is when I um you know it's nice because we're we're going on winter break after tomorrow 
and usually this time of year is when it starts, I find, getting more enjoyable for me, because you, you've, you've kind of put down the groundwork, and, uh, like, getting to know the new students that you hadn't had before, um, you've imprinted, yeah, 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 That's exactly. went in a really weird way, but... <laughs> no, I was like, no, but it's true. It is. And so, so I think, like, as far as, like, the writing thing goes, I would love to write. One thing I, like, I, like, after this project is done, the novel project, I'm like, that can't happen again. I can't, I can't spend five or six years on, on a book. So basically, I just need to, like... I can't do that because I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to put something out every five or six years, or put, or that's just so much time. Um, and then if it doesn't work out, then it's like, well, I go back to the next book that's going to take another five years, and then I can't. Yeah. So that's. But it seems me, like you have already like a situation where you know what clears your mind, like where you go, like travel to the cool, peaceful places yeah. with the dog that doesn't drive you insane. Right. <laughs> yes. No, and I like. I write so much more um, when I do something like that. And then I kind of pull... One thing that I found very helpful that I stole from Chuck Palahniuk's writing book, uh, which I actually really like, he, he'll, he'll talk about like, r- like focusing on just like the scene, the scene you're writing, and, and try to make the scene almost like a short story. And he talks about even like submitting those as like short stories that will go and then you know, get published or whatever. But I think, like, what he does is he will print off the scene and then he kind of, like, carries that with him wherever he goes, like a hard copy of it. And then whenever he has, like, a minute here, a minute there, he's just editing it. And then, he and then like, after a few days of doing that or whatever, he'll go home and retype it or correct it and then print it out again. And then he keeps, like, revising it over time until he feels like it's, you know, he, he's gone as far as he can go. And then he just keeps doing that with scenes. So that's what I've been doing. I just have like a little folder that I carry with me to work and wherever. And right now I just have one scene in there that it's almost, it's about done. I'm about as far as I can go, but I've like revised it Is there like five times. A fantasy press that like, that that's why you're polishing it so much? Because you want to get to like this certain level right away. Do you not want to like climb the ladder? Like what, what do you mean? Like as far, like, um... Like, do you immediately want to, like, put this out there and be like, I need an agent right now and get me into a big press? Or are you just going to, like, once you're done, just throw it out there and see who wants it? I think what, I mean, I'm going to try to get an agent, um, but I definitely, like, there's so many small presses that I love now that, um, and that's how I even, like, so I, yeah, Duncan Birmingham is how I even found you guys, Maudlin House. Oh, that's um, lit. Because he, yeah, I found him because he um, wrote on Jonathan Ames' show, Blunt Talk. He was a writer on that show, and mm-hmm. that's how I knew of him. And then I heard he had this book coming out, and then I reached out to get a copy of it. And then he, you know, he was, so that's how that the Maudlin House connection came. Um, so. Uh, I feel like we could make a documentary called The Maudlin House Connection. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Because uh, it I is mean, how, he, like, it's all worked, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, you see so much of it, like, what would you... What's advice you... Or, you know, I, maybe that's an annoying question, but, like, what's advice you would give... Because um, I've heard all kinds of different things where it's like, okay, this is your first book. 
throw it away and write two more and then don't show oh, yeah, anyone. Those, like kill your darlings people. And I'm like, I don't want to kill at no. all. I can't, I can't like, I'm 40, I'm almost 43 years old. So like, I, like just on a time level, I can't, in my mind, I can't afford to like waste that time. <laughs> I mean, so, I would just w- keep writing and like, Personally, like, I did it with my book where, like, I just had a list of places that I felt fit that identity. Yeah. Like, where I was just like, they would get it, they would get it, they would definitely not get it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, that's how I do it. But it's one of those things where, like, I try and go a little bit larger each time. But then, like, I know right now that the current press that I'm with isn't larger than Trident, but, like... Right. It's a personality thing, though, right there. Right, right. So, but it is the acknowledgement that, like, you probably are not going to make a lot of money. Because I know sure. other writers who are with larger presses, and they probably sold about the same amount as I, I know. have. So, I know. It's yeah. it's a bit, like, startling when I've talked to some writers, like, off the air, just, like, the reality of it. So I feel like that's been a really helpful thing at first kind of like shocking but then kind of like okay well even on the big presses um yeah you there's not there's no guarantee at all like in fact it's rare that someone's going to make any money off it what about like agents like what do you think about agents cuz i've i I've hear only had a few oh. experiences yeah um but it was one of those things that because of the podcast and obviously the fact that I've had a novel in a short story collection and now another novel. Yeah. Agent came back around to oh, nice. check in on me. Um but I've been approached. I have no idea how to query. She actually was saying, <laughs> like, it is a really nice chick where she was yeah. explaining to me, she was like, If your next book doesn't fit me, I'm basically telling you exactly how to query the other right. agents and it's just a process. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes it's worth it, and sometimes it's not. Yeah. Well, I think it, that's what, what you just said about, like, just writing. That's what I've asked some people in private conversations. Some of the people I've had on the show, like, if I'm in L.A. or whatever, I'll go grab coffee with them and, and ask, and they've had, a, like, a level of success, and they're like, just don't even worry about that. Right? Just get your goddamn book done, and then, and then we'll talk. I will say from what I have heard between people who have gone like through small presses versus larger ones, and I think it's pretty clear that anyone might make that connection, the small presses care more about you. Yeah, it does seem that way. Like where, where they totally give a fuck, they are gonna, they're going to answer you right away. Like they're invested yeah. in you and your personality. They want to make you happy. Right. And it's not, like, in a placating way. It's in a, we would not have selected your book because we have limited resources. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. And I think, like, like I, not out of choice, but I think, you know, most of the people I have on my show are, probably most of them are small press, so it was not a conscious choice. But I find I just, at this point in in my life, I enjoy reading books from smaller presses. Like... Not that I don't enjoy something from a big publisher, but I would, yeah, I, I kind of lean towards like the stuff that I like is is not in this like, you know, huge <laughs> corporation putting stuff out that's like in it, books are in the airport. Um, I just can't. I've tried to get into a lot of those books. I just can't really do it. 
I mean, that's because they're, and I know that a lot of people hate on it when I make fun of them, but they're very clear-cut MFA writers. Yeah. It, they're too formulaic, and yeah. it's very hard to get into something like that because we've all read the exact same story over and over and over again. Yeah. But I've Definitely. had larger uh, presses ask if, like, I could have their author on my show, and occasionally I say yes. Uh-huh. But I, I found that, like, their authors are the least, like, <laughs> prepared yeah. to be on the show. <laughs> and it's because that's what the agents and, like, uh, publicity people are doing is they're just kind of throwing, like, a net out there. And yeah. And be like, someone's going to catch it, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's so true. Yeah. So I, I suggest you, you know get to work on this shit throw on some good music and i I expect writing from you hell yeah no it's i mean i'm writing every day so it's just not it's just reveal it i gotta reveal it yeah Yeah. because i want to hear your voice i love that well thank you that made that's a i I love that someone does that makes that's that makes it that makes it a little easier to like recognize that someone (laughs) gives a shit it's like That's you're the cool. seventy year old writer right now. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, you don't wanna <laughs> But like it is like although I'm out there just being like, come on, do it. Yeah, like you do yeah. know that like a lot of guests are probably just like, but what is he like? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I did I don't think that like that, but I think that you're right. Yeah. I'm sure. Cause I'm like in my mind I'm like, oh god, I'm so boring. But I'm like, I'm not boring. I know because no. I I enjoy my life, <laughs> but so, but in my mind, only it's boring funny our people self-talk. think they're boring, <laughs> and they're aware of it. And they just don't care. They don't care. It's okay. So you're not boring. <laughs> this is becoming like a therapy session. I love it. I feel like I'm like getting so much out of this right now. <laughs> I feel like yeah. Okay. So I, I will ask you one final question, and I think that that will be, like, the best one. Because I was recently asked it on a podcast, uh-huh. and it just kind of, like, threw my ass where I was just like, ah, uh-huh. okay. On the day you die, what do you want written on your headstone? Hmm. I don't... I... <laughs> I don't want a headstone, but but if I were to have a headstone... He doesn't want a headstone. He wants a planet. I want a... Pl- <laughs> I, maybe he was kind and he loved dogs. <laughs> I don't know. Because I, like... One thing I don't tell they my... Don't do, like, survived by, and then they just start running. Oh, yeah. Names. I don't even... I'm, they're not going to do that, because they're going to be dead at some point. They're probably all oh, dead. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> I could never, like, say that about my pet. Uh-uh. <laughs> I did. Your dog's going to live a long, long, happy life. They will. They, they're, half, like, half chihuahuas, so they're going to they're gonna outlive me, probably. They'll... <laughs> They're going to be one of those oldest dogs. And also not to be morbid in the literary world that is very possible. Yeah. No, seriously. Where it's like, I'm just going to be eaten by my cat one day. Yeah. Your dog's going to be pissed, being like, he is not following the alarm. He's not. <laughs> my routine is off. Um, maybe something like that. I think, like, something to relate it to my dogs. Because, like, when, you know, if I do outlive these dogs, hopefully... Uh, I'll have more dogs, and but maybe he he saved, <laughs> he You're saved so shelter. many dogs. 
Yeah, he's saying, I've seen, like, people, this old dude, retired guy, he has, like, it seems like a hoarding issue, but it does, they make it look cute on Instagram, where he has, like, he brings in all these old, unwanted dogs and, like, kind of makes them comfortable in their final months and he like all, his whole day is spent just like taking care of them giving them their medications and and to me that just sounds like an awesome thing so I think something related to kindness because um, it, it like I tell my students something to the effect of like I don't give a shit if you're if you're smart or you think you're smart or you think you're clever like if you're if you're not kind, I don't care. Like it doesn't matter if you're smart. Uh, I say it in a more professional way. Sometimes, not always. But that's why you're the cool teacher. I'm the cool teacher because I'll say shit occasionally. And I think, I think just like the the, you know, it sounds really cheesy, but just something about kindness and you know, because I don't, I feel like there's not enough of it. And I do so. I feel like I'm being very cheesy right now, no. but I do I do mean it. Um, so he was kind, and he saved a lot of old stinky dogs. <laughs> Here's Kyler. I mean Tyler. I mean <laughs> Kyle. <well>, Tyle. <laughs> I have a Bing, um, Bing, like Chandler. Bing. Bing. Yeah, get that <laughs> a lot. <laughs> kind man, saver of many dogs. Yes. I swear to God, he will write his novel eventually. He'll <laughs> posthumously. <laughs> I'm satisfied with that. I think that would be a great headstone. I, I would find that hilarious, too. But I walk by the that. the best headstone, too, <laughs> is a hilarious headstone. Yeah, because you don't see... That's one of my another one of my hobbies. Well, I don't have many hobbies, but I love going to great, like cemeteries. I love it. And I'll just walk around and look at people's names and, and if, you know, if there's something clever. There's not usually something funny on a headstone. When there is, it's like this had to have been or something different I mean not even funny but it's different it's like okay they thought a little differently than everyone else you know and like they're the the people around them were supportive enough to put that on a headstone that's pretty cool I mean yeah okay we definitely need to hang out because we have very similar interests (laughs) I've never been to Chicago so I next time I need to like figure out some reason to come out there and we'll all hang out I've only been to Salt Lake City twice. The one time I was just like, oh my God, these salt flats are amazing. Yeah. And then the second time I was just like, I just want to see the temple. I want yep. a Mormon to recruit me. Yeah. It's my dream. Even to this day where like, I, I'm waiting for one to knock on my door. I will fuck with them completely. <laughs> Not in a mean way, but I just want to be like, no, pitch me. I want to hear pitch it. Me. Let's hear it. Yeah. No, and come I want to see how long they'll go. If you guys pass through ever, like, Please let me know, and I'll take you. We'll, we'll go there. We'll, I'll give you, like, an informal tour, and then we'll get the real tour, and then they do pitch you. Oh, it's I great. am so... And then we could, like, go to the cool, like, cemetery, which yeah. I'm sure they'll disapprove of. Oh, for sure, yeah. And then drink a <laughs> lot of coffee. I love it. That sounds like a dream. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's been really great having you on the show. <laughs> well, it's been great. I mean, I love... I, I was honored to be asked, so thank you for having me. Yep, you are the last 2023 interview. How does that make you feel? Oh, that makes me feel special. Yeah. Makes me feel, that's awesome. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for some Kyler content 2024. Oh my god, I'm, I'm, feeling, on. I'm no, it's good. Now it's out there, so I have to like, I have to, I have to deliver. I want to deliver. 
All right, that was Kyler Bingham. Check out Salt Lake Dirt on all podcast platforms and his Instagram at Salt Lake Dirt. Feel free to give him a shout to let him know how much you love his show and maybe give him a nudge to get more of his writing out there. His dogs clearly have him on too long of a leash. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the proper spellings and links. As always, please check out our Twitter at PodHealing and take a look at our website, textualpodcast.com. Show us support by going on to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a five-star review or subscribing to us on Spotify. And, of course, don't forget to check out our Patreon, which you can find the link on our Twitter. This is Mallory Smart. Thank you so much for an amazing 2023 season. Can't wait for 2024. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for listening to the show.